And I'm so glad you're here this morning as we are in uh, week three of our storage series. And we're going to look at a, a topic that every single one of us at some level uh, is dealing with, has dealt with, or, or needs to deal with. Because here's the truth about all of us today, whether you're, you're here or whether you're watching online. Uh, we all have uh, people from our past who have uh, hurt us and wronged us. We have some pain from our past. And forgiving those folks uh, is a very difficult thing. But not forgiving those folks turns out to be a more difficult thing on us. So we're going to walk through a little bit of what the Scripture has to say about forgiveness. Jesus tells this amazing story, just chock full of so much truth on forgiveness. So I just hope and pray it's helpful for you today. I just know for me personally, I have just spent a lot of my life paying the, the, the heavy cost of unforgiveness. And and I want to spend the rest of my days really walking in the freedom that forgiveness has as I receive it and I extend it to others. But it's, it's not easy. So hopefully we're going to pick up some truths from God's Word that are going to really help you. But we're, we're going to start out with a mind bender because this story, Jesus says something that just kind of spins everybody out. It's like there is no way possible, Jesus, that what you said is, is true. I mean, this is just craziness, but it turns out it is true, and it really turns the tables, and it, this difficult truth is really the key to us to having some freedom. So let's look in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, uh, starting in verse uh, 21 is where we'll pick up. And Jesus had been talking about this issue of forgiveness. Now, let me just say something really quickly because I, I want to try to clarify some, some terms because I understand this. Uh, Nick speaks. I, I, I speak. Not every time we speak are you picking up what we're putting down. You understand that? Like we were talking about something like I'm not tracking with you. There, there is a difference between forgiveness and forbearance, right? Forbearance is a churchy word. You know, sometimes we're just called to bear up with other people that are difficult. That doesn't mean that, that they've sinned against us. We just have to kind of put up with their quirkiness. You know, uh, yesterday, we're, uh, Amy and I are out for a walk yesterday morning, and uh, she said, Let, let's run. <laughs> this body's not built for running. I said, uh, okay. She said, let's just do one loop. You can do it. You can do one loop. Now, now, I just have to tell you this because our neighborhood has like three loops. We have three loops. And we were kind of right at a point where you could take one of the three loops. And she, she took the one that has two, you know, hills, you know, in it. And I was, the, the whole time, like I'm just gasping. I have to finish, right? I have to finish. And I'm just gasping for air. And I'm mad. Like, why did she do that? And then I thought, you know, that's forbearance. That wasn't sin. It felt like sin. That wasn't sin. Sometimes we have to put up with some stuff, right, for people. And then sometimes people just, just, just sin against us, right? So it's a different thing. And so what Jesus is talking about is when someone just sins against us uh, in our life. How, how do we respond? So Simon Peter, look, look at this in verse 21. Simon Peter comes to Jesus. Jesus has been talking about forgiveness. And Simon Peter comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, Lord, I mean, how many, how many times should I forgive someone when they, when they uh, sin against me? Uh, how, how, about, how about seven? And I think when Simon Peter said that, he was expecting Jesus to kind of pull out like a Sunday school smiley face, give it to him like, Simon Peter, that is amazing, dude. You're way more spiritual than any of the other guys. I mean, what he was expecting from Jesus was like, way to go, Pete. Because what Simon Peter would have been taught by the former rabbis that he would have been around was, you know what, maybe three or four times, that's kind of maxed out. You forgive somebody three or four times. And Simon Peter, when he says seven, he's feeling good about himself, Right? And then Jesus has this mind bender. Jesus shares this truth that just like totally freaks Simon Peter out. And, and, and he says, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, let's just stop for a second. Does that mean that, you know, on the 78th, we're like, too bad, too sad? 
No. What Jesus is saying is, is to, to Simon Peter and to us is it's just unlimited. And that's like really hard. That's like a tough truth. And Simon Peter's like, what? And I thought seven was a lot. And that was really pushing me. That was really extending to go that far. And so it's then that Jesus said, why don't I just tell you a story? Because isn't that cool? Like it's something that's just too much for us to understand. And then Jesus shares these parables that are like stories that really help us understand this spiritual truth. And he says, so, so, so the kingdom of heaven is really like this king who wanted to, to settle all of his accounts. And so he began with the first, first account. And, and so he, he calls a man in who owes him in the ESV or, or I, I learned this 10,000 talents or in the, new, in, in the NIV it says 10,000 bags of gold. And so we, we always like, in our 21st century culture, we're always, well, how much was that? Like, but but when we, whenever we study the Bible, we have to say, what did the original reader understand, right? So when Jesus says that this person had a, had a debt of, of 10,000 talents, they understood there's no way this guy is ever paying this one off. Like, if we would kind of put some monetary value in, in our current economy, it, it could be in the billions of dollars, and so since he was not able to pay, verse 25, into that we'd say, right, right, like who's got that kind of cash on him today? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children all be sold to repay the debt. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a bad day. And at that, on the news of the, 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 this servant and all of his family is going to have to spend the rest of their life paying this debt off that they will never get paid off, he falls on his knees before him and says to the king, he says, be patient with me. And he begs him, I will pay you back everything, which is dishonest. Like, there's no way in a thousand lifetimes he could pay that back. But that, that's, that's what he said. The servant's master, which is a picture of our heavenly father, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. That's a good day, isn't it? Right, isn't that a good day? Right. I mean, if you're a college student, I don't know if you got some student loans, you just found out they've all just been, you know, just paid off. You're like, that's cool. Right. If you're a homeowner and, and you owe 27 years on your house and you just find out that, you know what, you don't owe anything else, that's a good day. Or if you're a high school student, you just bought your first car and you've got 879 payments left on that car, and then you just find out, you know what, you don't have to pay anymore. That's a that's a good day, isn't it? But I mean all of this compare, just, just, just pales in comparison to what this guy was forgiven because we're talking billions with the B, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. So you would think he would leave walking in some incredible freedom, wouldn't you? I mean, that, that, that should be the way the story, story goes. Verse 28, but when that servant, the one who had just been forgiven billions, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins now, are a uh, hundred denarii in some translations. A denarii was about uh, what uh, a common worker made in a day. So he, he owed him about a hundred days worth of wages. So, I mean, it's not like this is an insignificant amount, but it is nothing compared to what the first guy owed. Everybody understand that? I mean, that, that's pretty, you know, we might say it's, it's twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. So he finds him, he grabs him and begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demands. His fellow servant fell to his knees. Is this sounding familiar? Kind of same thing is happening again. He fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the first servant who'd been forgiven the billions refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt off. 
when the other servants, watch this, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Now, let me just say this. When we're talking about forgiveness, so many times in a, in a message and a guy like me stands up and talks about forgiveness. And let me just say, I preach this Thursday night. This is my fourth time to preach this message. Every time I get done preaching this message, somebody will send me a text and tell me something else that I should have said about forgiveness. Forgive me. Right? I, I'm not going to say every, like, there, there's no way in this 30-minute time block that we have that I'm going to say everything that we could say about forgiveness. Does everybody understand that? You know, so there's just so much more about it. But, but, but here's just something I want to point out in this, this text that I just seem to overlook. Like, I understand, and we're going to look at it, that, that unforgiveness affects me, right? Because it leads me to live a life of bitterness. I understand that unforgiveness affects the other person that has wronged me. But I never really think about how when I walk in unforgiveness, it really affects other believers because they see that and it's a lousy witness. That's what's happening here in, in this story. So they go and they tell the master, like, you can't believe what's happened. You know, the guy that you just forgave, forgave billions today, there was a guy who just owed him some lunch money. He went out and he's thrown him into to prison. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. So a couple things that take place. So this is some intense teaching, right, in this parable. Uh, it sounds like God is pretty serious. I don't think you have to be a Bible scholar to understand that God's pretty serious about unforgiveness. Would you agree with that? Anybody? Yeah, so let, let, let's talk about it a little bit here for the next 15 or 20 minutes. You got some time? It's raining outside anyway, so, so I mean, what are you going to do? Let's look at this forgiveness. Let's, let's, let's look at a working definition of forgiveness. And some of you say, well, I've been here a long time. I've heard your definition of forgiveness. You had not heard this one. It's just, just fresh and new right off the, right off the press. It's not, not the greatest, not the best, but it'll get us started. Like forgiveness is releasing others from the small offenses, right, that they've done to us. Why? Because God has released you and me as believers from our massive offense, our offenses. So releasing others from the small offenses because God has released us from our massive ones. The problem with that definition is you might stop and say, well, listen, I don't know why you would call these things small because what's been done to me in my past doesn't feel small. And I understand that. I hear that, but small in comparison to what? The massive offenses that we have done against God. And you say to that, well, well what are you talking about? Because, because really the size of an offense is really determined in some ways by who we offend. Let, let me try to, I know that that's confusing, but let me try to illustrate it this way. Like if, uh, if you guys don't like the sermon, you know, I'll be down here afterwards, and you can come up, and you can just smack me in the face. Like, that was the worst sermon on forgiveness I've ever heard. You deserve this. Bam. Now, I'm not going to like that, uh, but after pre- I I'm, I'm just want to go home and eat lunch. I'm not going to do anything. Just, I just want to go home. And, um, you know, nothing's probably going to happen to you. Our, our security guys may send you to World Outreach next week or for a couple weeks. I don't know what they'll, what they'll do. You can't come back here for a while. But, I mean, nothing major, right? Nothing major, right? You say that. But, but, but we have... Um, Police officers here that are here to provide security for everyone. Now, here's the deal. If uh, you smack one of them, 
we'll have to give your name to Steve Austin, who does our prison ministry, because they'll be visiting. You'll, you'll, you'll be in jail tomorrow, right? You understand that? Why? You did the same thing. It's a smack, it's a smack. Well, it's who you smacked, right? Like in our culture, you, you, you smack a, a, a police officer, and there's something that, that, that we're going to have to pay for that. See? But think about my sins. Who have I offended? A holy God. I have sinned against the holy God, the creator and king of this universe. You see, so that, that's different. Forgiveness is also extending a measure of grace to others that God has extended to you. I love what Andy Stanley says about forgiveness. This has always helped me. He says, in the shadow of my hurt... Forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. And that's really true, isn't it? Like sometimes forgiveness feels like they win. When I forgive them, it's like it feels like they, they, they win. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like I'm rewarding my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. So it's really about which vantage point you're going to live your life from, Right? the shadow of the cross or from the shadow of your hurt. That helps me a little bit. Now, let me say this. The ability to extravagantly forgive others is a defining characteristic of a Christ follower. Right? This is one of those things that really should separate us as believers right? because of what Christ has done in our life but it's difficult, right? So let's start off for the next few minutes talking about what forgiveness is not. And the reason I do this, sometimes people say, well, I don't understand that. Why would you say, why would you spend any time talking about what it is not? Because if we believe the wrong thing about forgiveness, it can really hold us hostage. Does that make sense? Having a wrong belief or confusing, really having a wrong belief about forgiveness will hold you hostage. Here's the first thing that forgiveness is not. And again, that's not, it's not everything we could say about what forgiveness is not. Is that, is that Okay. First thing is this, forgiveness is not a feeling to wait for, but a command to obey. Forgiveness is not a feeling to wait for, but it's a command to obey. What, what I mean by that is so many times, you know, we would say, well, I just don't feel like forgiving them. Well, can I tell you something? When somebody wrongs you, hurts you, you will never feel like forgiving them. But we even get more spiritual with that. We say, you know what, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to do something contrary to what I'm feeling. Now think about that. That, that kind of sounds good, but you know what we're really saying? We're saying my feelings trump the Word of God, the clear commands in the Word of God. So we really have to make a decision in our life, don't we, whether we're going to live our life based on what we feel or based on the truth of God's Word. And forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us is a command in Scripture. Does that make sense? Watch this. Look at Luke chapter 17. Only one person said agreed to that, so got some room for improvement. Luke chapter 17, so watch yourself. If Jesus says, your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. I love this. Listen to how the uh, apostles respond. It's kind of the way we would. The apostles said to the Lord, they said to Jesus, increase our faith. Isn't that good? Like, that's really, like, forgiving somebody who wrongs you, right, goes out on social media and says something about you that is inflammatory, that's a lie. They do it one time. They do it seven times, and you're you're supposed to forgive them the seven times, and the the disciples say, you're going to have to give me more faith to do that. Increase our faith. And now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds, you can say to this mulberry tree, 
And you say, why, why a mulberry tree? Probably because there was one standing, or, or there was not standing, there was one probably right there. You could say this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. What's Jesus' point? Jesus is saying, you don't, you don't need more faith. You need to walk in obedience with the faith you already have. Like, you need to trust me enough to obey, not just when you feel like it, because you'll never feel like it. And here's the thing. When you, we, we, we say this a lot around here. Does this make sense? You don't, you don't feel your way to actions. You act your way to feelings. Maybe the best example of that is working out. I never feel like exercising. Do you? I feel like going to donut country, staying there for about an hour and a half, right? That's what I feel like. But there's a, a word for someone who does that every single day. Dead probably is the word for, for that. I don't, I don't feel like that. But you see, I, I act my way to the feelings that, 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 that follow. And that, that's what Jesus is saying. So here's the point. If you sit around wait, waiting and say, you know what? I don't feel like forgiving them. You're letting your feelings be your God instead of the truth of the word of God. And you'll never be free. When you just act with just a small amount of obedience, then God begins to empower that and give you more of what you need to carry out what he's called you to do. Now, Here's the second thing that forgiveness is not. Do you hear me? What forgiveness is not, that's what we're talking about. That sounded bossy. I didn't mean to be that way. But forgiveness is not forgetting the hurt. Like, has that affected anybody in here? Like, I grew up thinking I was supposed to forget what was done to me if I was truly going to forgive someone. Anybody else grow up that way? Here's the problem that I had with that. I couldn't forget it. Like, I could not forget what, what, what was done, and so it just kind of launched me into this feeling of shame and guilt that I wasn't, I wasn't being obedient to the Lord and, and, and truly forgiving someone because I couldn't for, forget it, right? You'll hear people say, you need to forgive and forget. Well, that's just, I'm not saying that's impossible. Some of you, supernaturally, God may, has allow, may have allowed you to forget something, and, but, but, but for, for the average one of us, it's really hard to forget a really painful thing that's happened to us in our life, isn't it? Yeah. And so some of where that comes from is from the church. Like we, we have this um, thing inside the church. It's kind of the, the myth of a forgetful God. We talk about God forgetting our sins. Like God ha well, you'll hear a message about God having a, a, a terrible memory and he, he, he forgets our sins. Well, the scripture says this, that God remembers our sin no more and has removed them as far as the east is from the west. But this word remember in the Hebrew is a, is a unique word. And I want to show you the first time that this word is mentioned in scripture, right? Again, you say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, I'm saying that, that forgiveness is not forgetting. Because forgetting can be really, really hard or impossible. And it may not even be what the scripture is, is talking about. So the first time you, the word remember is, is used is in Genesis 8.1. It's the story of Noah. Look at this. We'll put it up on the screen. But God remembered Noah and all the beast and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Now, does that mean that God had forgotten about Noah? And God's like, ah, Noah, it's raining. I left the water on. I forgot about him. He never, he never forgot about Noah. It said when he remembered him that he, 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 he chose to put his focus on him as a part of this redemptive plan. You see, forgiveness, here's the thing. Forgiveness involves turning your focus to something else. 
doesn't necessarily mean that you will forget the hurt that is done, but that you are choosing to turn your focus onto something else. And you might say, well, what else? What else is it? Because um, here's the truth. I haven't said this in any of the services, but a lot of times we turn to other things that, that, that try to make the pain go away in relationships or substances, and it still doesn't work. But the truth of Scripture is we, we turn to something, something else. We remember a greater truth. And so we might ask, what is the greater truth? Well, just for starters, the greater truth in my life is God's forgiveness of me, of canceling all of my sin debt, is a greater truth than anything anybody else has ever done to me. Does that make sense to anybody here? That is a greater truth. That Jesus has canceled all of my sin is a greater truth to anything wrong that anybody's ever done to me, Right? doesn't mean that those things don't hurt. It means this is a greater truth. And so I'm going to live my life remembering a greater truth. Now, here's another greater truth. It is my identity, right? As a believer, as a child of the king. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I want to just show you this verse. Uh, something stood out to me this week in this passage that I've just never seen before. You probably have seen it, and good for you. You're better than me. Look at this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That's good, right? The Father has lavished his love on us that we should be called children of God. That's good. But then look at this phrase that John puts in, and that is what we are. He doesn't say that we're like a child of God. He says we what? Are a child. That's different, right? That's a different truth that, that I'm completely forgiven, that I am a child of God. I'm not like a child of God. I've been adopted into his that, That's a greater truth. And so what I'm saying is you may not, you may not forget the hurt that's been done to you in, in your life, but you can remember a greater truth, and that's really where, that's where forgiveness takes place. So forgiveness is not a feeling to wait for. It's a command to obey. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting the hurt not necessarily doing that. It's remembering a greater truth. Let's look at the third thing. Forgiveness is not removing the consequences. Forgiveness is not removing the consequences. Sometimes that's why forgiveness is so hard. We think, you know what? If I forgive, then I am letting you off scot-free. I am removing the consequences. Well, that's not true. You know, th th this week, uh, my, my baby girl, my, my little granddaughter, she, she got in trouble in her class here on Tuesday and she had to go to the, uh, they call it the thanking chair. She had to go to the thanking chair for a little while. And so uh, I had to go down and investigate and see, surely, some sort of mistake. Turns out she needed to be in the thanking chair. She was wrong. And, uh, and so, and, and her teacher's so great. Her teacher, you know, is, I'm so sorry. So it's not like her teacher's going to come back next, next week and say, you know what, you're out. I'm done with you, Charlotte. No, I love you, I forgive you, but you had to sit in the thanking chair. My dad didn't know about the thinking chair. Did your dad know about the thinking chair? My dad didn't know about the thinking chair. He didn't know about time out. My dad knew about, like, the switch. That's what my dad knew about. That was his thinking chair. And I remember as a kid, I would say, when I was in trouble, I'd tell my dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Now go get a switch. What was he really saying? The same thing that Charlotte's teacher was saying. I forgive you, but there's still consequences. Right? We all know that. Right? There's still consequences. And even in, even in Scripture, you take a look at this, is, is, is King David, maybe one of the, one of the, one of the greatest mistakes in, in, in Scripture, if we, we could grade him, which is not a good, necessarily a good thing, but his King David's sin with Bathsheba, the immorality with Bathsheba, he tries to cover it up and has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered. Right? That, that's a bad deal. Did God forgive David? Yes. 
I mean, the Messiah comes from his line, from the line of King David. Well, that's, that's pretty good. But there were still consequences in David's life. I mean, you really see chaos and, and, and animosity inside his, his family. So, so forgiveness, when I forgive someone, it's not removing the consequences. Let me just say this. This is so important. Please listen. Please listen. Listen. If you're being physically abused right now, or you're being sexually abused right now, you need to let the authorities know about that. Because that, that person needs to face the consequences of that. If not, they'll just continue to hurt other people. And, and, and someone who maybe has grown up in the church and confused and think, you know what, if I forgive them, then that's just removing all the consequences. No, that's not true. You have to forgive them for, for your own sanity, right? And really is a picture of grace to them that might change their life, but also there's consequences that are there. Forgiveness is also not approving of what they've done. Sometimes that's why forgiveness is so hard. It feels like I'm approving of what they're doing, and we're not saying that. I mean, the woman caught in adultery in Scripture, Jesus forgives her, but then what does he say at the end? He says, go and leave your life of sin or sin no more. Right? So it's not approving. So these are, the, these are some of the reasons that we have a problem with forgiveness. Here's the last thing I want to say, and it's a really important thing. Are you guys okay? I just, and you say, well, why, why are you doing this? Because I know so many people have been confused or misunderstood forgiveness, and it's really cost them a lot. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. We're called to forgive everyone with an attitude of our heart, but we, we, we may not be reconciled with everyone because reconciliation really takes two people, right? Reconciliation takes repentance on the other person's part or on my part for that to take place, right? So we're called to forgive everyone, but we may not be called to reconcile. But if you confuse forgiveness and reconciliation and you think they're the same thing, watch this. Many times you'll walk right back in to like a viper's den and just get hurt over and over and over again thinking you're doing the right thing when, in fact, you've confused two things. And so here's another question that goes a little bit deeper. I don't know if you're asking this question, but I want to, for those of you who are, you might say, well, how do we know when, when someone has repented? How do we know then we can start? How do we know when we can start the process of relational reconciliation? How do we know when it's safe to do that? I'll tell you a good example. We saw it last week in the story of the prodigal son. Those of you who are here, those of you who know that story. When does the father in the story run to the son? When he turns. That's right. When he turns. When the son turns in repentance and starts to come home, the father runs to him. And you might say, well, how will I know when I see repentance? Listen, true repentance is undeniable. Right? True brokenness is undeniable. If you have to wonder or ask, you know, are they really repentant? Probably not. But that's when we can start the process of reconciliation. Does that make sense? Let's, let's close out with, nobody answered that question, so I don't know if it made sense or not. Do you understand that forgiveness and reconciliation are not necessarily the same thing? Yeah. Some of you are saying yes now, so we'll just move on. I get that. What is forgiveness? Let's close with this for the next couple minutes. What forgiveness? What, what is forgiveness? Well, the first thing about forgiveness that you need to know, and again, this isn't everything that we can say about forgiveness. Forgiveness is refusing to seek my own revenge. This is what forgiveness is. It's refusing to seek my own revenge. Look at what the Scripture says in Romans chapter 12. Those of you in the balcony, let's take a look at this passage. Those of you watching online, watch this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. When we repay evil with evil, we're acting like a non-believer, like an unbeliever. 
right? Don't pay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, right? Didn't we see that in the story? When we who have been forgiven so much choose not to forgive someone else who's hurt us, it's a poor testimony, isn't it? You see that, right? If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. I love that phrase because some people, it's impossible to live at peace with them because they're never going to repent, so reconciliation may not take place. Verse 19, Here's a command, do not take revenge, my dear friends. I love this phrase, but leave room for God's wrath. When you step in and try to make someone pay, God steps out. Does that make sense? When, when you say, I've got this, I'll make them pay, then we're not leaving room for God's wrath and God steps out. And listen, we make a mess, mess out of things. But leave room for God's wrath. Listen to what the scripture said. It is mine to avenge. This is the Lord speaking. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I mean, in the parable we just looked at, I mean, at the end, the unmerciful servant, he gets his, doesn't he? Right? I mean, God's got this. Would would it make sense to you, or do you believe this, that, that God's able to deal with that person that has hurt you better than you are? Yeah, I think that's true. But it's hard for us. You see, on the contrary, if your enemy, look at verse 20, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And we're like, burning coals, yes, sign me up for that. But this was a figure of speech that people in the first century would have understood. It just mean to wake them up. Maybe wake them up to their sin so that they would repent, right? And I think a lot of people in the church, we want God to sick the person who's hurt us, right? Sick them, God. We have a lot of sick them, God prayers. But aren't you glad that God has treated us differently when we've sinned against him? That we begin to want that for the other person? So forgiveness is refusing to seek my own revenge. Number two, refusing to bring the offense up to them or to others anymore. Right? Forgiveness is is this. It's more than this, but it's not less than this. It's just saying I'm not going to bring it up anymore to you or to others, which is really a form of making them pay, right? 99.9% of the problems in Amy and I's marriage have been because of me. But that was just one time. (laughs) Um, She was teaching school. I asked her if I could share this. I asked her if I could share this, and she said, yes, but share the other 99. So anyways, and so... uh, she was teaching school, and so I, I, in the morning, we were getting, getting ready, and I said, I'm going to bring you lunch today. And she said, oh, that'd be great. So I, I stopped by her classroom, and I stopped at a restaurant that she loved, and I, I was at her desk, and I brought her lunch. She forgot. <laughs> she didn't show up. And every single time she had me dead to rights for the next two years with something I've done, well, about that time I brought you lunch, that time I brought you lunch, I kept it in my back pocket. You ever done that? Like, I'm saving that one. That's going to be good, right? And it was, it was kind of my ticket. I thought my ticket out of jail. But in fact, it was just sending me into deeper prison because I'd, it was a clear picture of unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is just refusing to bring it up. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in that great love chapter, it says one of the, one of the characteristics of love is love holds no record of wrongs. So we don't do that, and we don't, we, don't, we don't talk about them to other people. We don't keep bringing it up to them. That's, that's part of what forgiveness is. Number three, forgiveness is really refusing to be consumed by the past. And I think this is so important. I hope this will help somebody here today because I know so many people in the church who their life is being consumed by something that happened to them in the past. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Look at this verse. It's great. I'm coming to a close. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. As a believer, we talk about this a lot. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. But if we grieve the Holy Spirit of God because of sin, we don't experience the full power of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Does that make sense? And one of the chief ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God as a follower of Christ is to have unforgiveness in our heart. It really is. If you're harboring unforgiveness, you will not experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, think about a greater truth, your salvation. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You know, all those, all those, all those things, anger, rage, bitterness, malice, so many times, those are just byproducts of unforgiveness in our life. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Remember that vantage point. Let me ask you a question. How long are you going to let someone from your past keep robbing your future and controlling your life? Let me ask another question. Do you want to keep living in bitterness or do you want to be free? That was a pretty easy one, wasn't it? Can I tell you something? There is a greater word spoken over you. Is the gospel of your redemption, that you're completely forgiven, that you're a child of God. One of the reasons why, watch this, one of the reasons why we have such a hard time with forgiveness is because we get so angry because we think what someone has done to me when they said that thing that cost me that relationship or cost me that job or cost me that this standing in community, when they did that, they took something away from me this is going to keep me from ever having the fullness that God wants me to have. That's why we're so angry. You see, but no one has the power to do that over you. No one has, the, do they have the power to hurt you? Yes. They don't have a power to hurt you in the way that God can't heal you and redeem you and write a greater story on the other side of that. And you say, well, where in the world do you get this? You know, the best example of that is in the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph's brothers just want to kill him. Then they sell him as a slave to Midianite traders. He ends up in Egypt. Would we all agree that's a bad deal? Right? It's wrong. Finally, years later, when Joseph is reunited with them, he's not a man who's controlled by bitterness. What does he say to them when, he, when he's reunited with his brothers? He said, what you did, you meant for evil, but God has used it for good. See, no one can hurt you in your past in a way that God can't redeem in a powerful, powerful ways. That's liberating, isn't it? But sometimes we say, you know, we say so angry with what they took from us because we really believe that, that, that God, you can't do anything with my future because of that. That's not true. That's not true, but the enemy wants you to believe that. The last thing I would say about forgiveness because we're out of time is Forgiveness is refusing to seek my own revenge. We said that. It's refusing to bring the offense up to them or anyone else, refusing to be consumed by the past. And then lastly, forgiveness is beginning to pray God's best over their lives. That's a hard one, isn't it? But it's a liberating one. Um, 
What did we learn when we were learning the Lord's Prayer? Remember as a kid when you were learning the Lord's Prayer, those of you who grew up in the church? Father, forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we, help me, forgive those who trespass against us. What is, what is that teaching us in that model prayer? It's kind of like this. As we breathe in forgiveness, the oxygen of forgiveness from God, isn't that a great thing? Father, forgive us our trespasses. As we breathe in the oxygen of forgiveness, we are to breathe out the carbon dioxide of grace to others. Like, isn't that true? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, isn't that what, when we exhale, what do we exhale? Mostly carbon dioxide. Think about this. What if you keep the carbon dioxide in? What if you don't exhale? This is why the sermons go long. You guys don't answer questions. You die. <laughs> right? That's true. But that's kind of like receiving the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God, but not extending the grace and mercy to others. It's toxic, man. It's toxic. Let me give you four simple commitments. If you're here today and you would say, you know what? I need to start walking this out with someone in my life. You know someone right now that you're living in unforgiveness with. You need to start walking this out. Let me give you four commitments that I challenge you to think about making. Why? Because we say in many ways our life is the, the sum total of the commitments we make. Here's one, I'm done making you pay. You might want to write that down. Would you say that? I'm done making you pay. Would you tell that to the Lord? I'm done making them pay. You've got this, God. I'm done talking about you would be the second commitment. I'm done doing that. I would also include in there, I'm, I'm done talking about you, talking about you to others, but I'm done talking about you up here. You ever nurse and rehearse a grudge when you lay down at night in your mind? You ever do that? Our mind is still the dwelling place of the Lord, which grieves the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm, I'm done doing that. I'm done nursing and rehearsing this unforgiveness. I want to believe a greater truth. Here's a third commitment. I'm willing to remember a greater word over me than my hurt. Would you say that? I'm willing to remember a greater word over me than my hurt from the past, which is God's word over you, his truth over you. And lastly, I'll begin to pray God's best over you. But Pastor Brady, they don't deserve it. And you know what I would say? You're right. But neither did I. And it is so hard to stay in bitterness with another person when you're bringing them before the throne of grace in prayer. It's hard to do, right? You know, we started out by saying what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not removing the consequences. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. But here's the last thing about forgiveness, and then we're done. Forgiveness is not a condition of salvation, but it is always, it is always a consequence of true salvation. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, what I'm saying is, you don't have to go and, and forgive every single person that has hurt you in, in order to be forgiven by Christ. But when you are forgiven, that would be a condition of salvation, which minimizes the cross of Christ, by the way. But when you are forgiven, you have a desire to extend forgiveness to others. That is a consequence of salvation. So here's the point. If you would say in, in your life right now, you know, like even you're thinking about the, how you're responding to this message, you're like, dude, there, you, you don't know my story. And I mean, I wish you'd hurry up and be, because there's some people that I'm never going to walk that out. Praying for that person that has hurt me, extending grace to that person that has wronged me, I'm out. I would never do that. 
I understand the intenseness of your pain, and I'm sensitive to that. But I just wonder if it isn't pointing you to a far greater problem, if it isn't a warning light that may be saying this, have you ever truly experienced the forgiveness of the king? Because when you have experienced the forgiveness of the king, there is a desire in you to extend forgiveness to others. I mean, dudes like me mess this parable up trying to look smart and cute, but at the core of this is a guy who had a debt he could never pay. Who was that guy? That was me, and that was you. And the king, who was that guy? Our father forgave that debt. That's what he wants to do in your life. That could be yours. There right now is nothing standing in the way of you experiencing that kind of forgiveness. Did you hear me? That's what Jesus died to bring. And by faith, you can trust it and it can be yours. You could walk out of this place freer than you have ever been in your life. Every sin that you've ever committed against this holy God could be released if you were to receive that gift. And then here's how you know you have received that gift because there is a desire in you to begin to release others. It's a consequence. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your word. Now we believe that your Holy Spirit is at work setting us freer than we've ever been before. When we take a risky step of obedience to start the process of forgiving someone who has hurt us or for the first time stepping into the forgiveness that is ours that you're offering. you have your will and your way in our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen.